It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. In the Huddle was created to give student athletes, parents and coaches an inside look at the journey through US college sport and all that comes with it. The demands, the experiences, the excitement and the opportunities available to our student athletes from around the world. Study and Play USA facilitates a comprehensive, customised approach for student athletes and families for their whole journey from their high school preparation years right through to US college graduation. Hi listeners. Uh, welcome to this edition of In the Huddle. Well, I'm pumped about this episode because we're sitting down with a young man about to embark upon what almost all of us can only dream about. Michael Zhang, today's guest, is shortly about to board a plane destined for Boston, Massachusetts to start as a freshman at Harvard University. Michael's is a story we have been privileged to be a small part of and we plan on following Michael's journey as he progresses with his fellow Harvard class of 2024. Michael, welcome, mate. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's, um, it's great to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. No worries. And sorry to embarrass you there at the top, mate. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. You deserve a pretty good introduction, I reckon. <laughs> um, mate, we'll start off. Um, you know, I guess it's been a few months now since you've uh, accepted the offer to attend the prestigious Harvard University. Yeah. Has it sunk in yet? Not really. I mean, I don't think it'll really, um, really hit me until I, I'm boarding the plane and I'm really... Um, get there and meet everyone but no it's definitely been good I've I've got the opportunity to meet some of my future classmates on like the Facebook group chat and stuff like that and it's definitely really awesome to be to meet them and like hear about like their stories and stuff like that it's definitely awesome right and they've been um, they're from different countries and yeah I mean I think there's about like 15% internationals and then like 80 85% Americans so there's there's a lot of um different people from different countries and I'm um, also a lot of Americans as well, so it's awesome. Fantastic, mate. Can you talk us through the moment uh, the offer became official? Like, how did you find out? Yeah, sure. So basically, all the all the Ivy Leagues released their um, decisions on the same same day, same time. So um, can't remember exactly what day, but it was basically like 10 a.m. on like sometime in January, and then so you you go through all of them at, at the same time, and then you go one by one. You like go on this online portal. And then you uh, click, you know, view status update. And then it's either, you know, a letter of congratulations or a letter of rejection. Were you, were you pretty confident you were going to get in? Or were you, was it, was it, what was your initial? Yeah, honestly, I think I was, pre- I was actually pretty confident like before, like if, like um, maybe six months before, you know, I put my application in, I was like, you know, I think I have a pretty good shot. But then as, as the weeks passed and the date got closer and closer, uh, I became uh, less and less sure. Um, and by that point, I was kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I was actually, accept- I was preparing for a rejection at that point, but luckily, um, luckily it worked out. And and mum and dad, what was their reaction? Yeah, so they were with me um, by my side and, you know, they were so happy, really happy for me. Um, yeah, we just like started like cheering and then 
went out for lunch or something like that. So yeah, it was definitely a good day. Fantastic, mate. No, that's now I remember I remember the little note you sent us when you got in and we were just yeah, we were pretty pumped for you too, mate. Yeah. So but it wasn't just Harvard, hey, that um, you accepted into. Uh, you applied to a number of upper echelon colleges, including other Ivy Leagues, yeah. um, and you accepted into those too. But I remember you said that just gracing the campus of Harvard, just being mm. uh, setting foot on campus, there was a bit of a vibe or a feeling yeah. uh, that kind of just felt right. Can you describe that for us? Yeah, for sure. So basically in February, I, I went to, uh, I had an official visit at a few colleges. So I was in... Um, you know, I went to New York, uh, Atlanta, St. Louis, and I was actually in Boston visiting um, Tufts University there. And then one of the days I had free, I decided to just uh, go for a walk at Harvard just to see, you know, what it was like. And, you know, it was actually, it was, I was at night and it was such a surreal feeling. I mean, just walking down there, like the campus is so beautiful. It's like so old. And then, um, you know, it just feels like, I don't know, it just felt different, you know. Um, not to put anything like Tufts was an you know, amazing university. I love my time there, but I don't know. I just felt like they speak a lot about in America. They speak a lot about like you step foot on the campus and then you just know if it's right. And I think that was the feeling I kind of got with um, when I visit, like when I visited Harvard. Uh, albeit, you know, I was only there for a few hours, but it was definitely. I think it was something special. Yeah. Did you get to? So it was at night. So you probably didn't meet too many people. And no, I didn't meet anyone there. I just, I was just walking by myself around around the campus, but. Um, you know, it was, it was beautiful. And did you go on that trip on your own? Did mum and dad or mum? No, I said, yeah, I went, I went by myself. Um, so it was, it was definitely a challenge, you know, um, but it was, it was an unreal experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's amazing city. Um, Boston and that area, Cambridge around Harvard there. It's, as you say, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel like the rest of America in a lot of ways. It feels like you, you, you saw transported back in time a little bit, maybe UK, uh kind of scenery and that sort of thing so it's a yeah i was lucky enough to go to harvard not as a student <laughs> but as a as a visiting competitor um and um yeah it is you can't help but be sort of in awe of the place um when you're around there so you get to to do that for every day for four years coming up so it's amazing mate you must be still pinching yourself i bet <laughs> yeah for sure um all right so I embarrassed you at the start. I'm going to embarrass you again, mate. Sorry. But um, for <laughs> listeners that don't know you, Michael, um, you know, only a year ago, you're in Sydney attending the McDonald College. Uh, you had the honour of being the school captain there, uh, which is obviously a big honour and obviously a um, big time commitment. Not only that, you were focused on finishing your HSC studies and excelling in that regard. And of course, you were deep into the process of finding, you know, the right fit college in the USA. You're playing tennis almost every day and playing tournaments on the weekends. But if all that wasn't enough, you also entered pretty rarefied air when you scored a perfect score on America's you know, famous entrance exam, the SAT exam. Um, so firstly, for us mere mortals, Michael, how on earth did you manage all of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely, um, definitely tough, I guess. Um, you know, uh, the way you make me sound like, you know, it wasn't for maybe that impressive the way you put it, but no, it was definitely um, tough to balance, I guess, in terms of time management. Um, so I guess, I don't know, the way I thought about it, like I thought academics was only like something that, you know, I would put in enough time into to do well, but it wasn't something that, you know, a lot of like a lot of my peers, they were putting like all 100% of their time and effort into academics, but it was for me, it was something that, you know, I took as more of a, like a secondary to my like tennis and, 
um, you know, our leadership roles. And then I just put in enough time, you know, to do well. Um, and I actually think that actually helped me in terms of, you know, took stress off my academics and it actually, you know, um, kind of like I, I was able to do well in my academics without really putting too much time and effort into it. So I think it was just about for me finding that balance between, um, you know, my extracurriculars and my, my academics as, as well. And then I also, you know, being part of the McDonald College as well um, and their partnership with Voyager, um, that really helped me as well because basically uh, for those like listeners, I don't know if they know about it, but pretty much it's a really integrated system where we were um, doing school from maybe like eight to two and then we'd take the bus to Olympic Park and we'd train, you know, for three, three hours, four hours um, there. And then everyone, the coaches and the teachers there really, you know, know that you're aiming for that pathway. And I guess um, they really helped me in terms of, you know, um, understanding that I was like trying to balance these two things. Um, and then, you know, that was um, definitely super important as part of like my um, overall, like being able to balance everything. Yeah, that's a, you made some really good points there. And we'll talk more about McDonald College and Voyager Tennis Academy uh, a little bit later, but um, you're right. It's very rare in Australia to have a school and sport sporting organization, I guess, or an academy in this sense, um, working together and, and, yeah. and, and specifically towards the US pathway. And I think that's because more and more student athletes in Australia are doing that, um, it makes sense for more schools to, to have that model. And um, I, I look forward to seeing hopefully other other schools adopt that. Um, but they're certainly front runners in that respect in Australia, um, yeah. you know, both Voyager and McDonald. But we'll come back to them as well. Uh, the other point that I think you made there that I think is really worth expanding just a little bit on is um, I remember sitting in on a little chat that you had with some of our student athletes recently. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't study you know, you, you, you think, okay, someone who scores a perfect score on the SAT scores virtually a perfect score on their HSC or thereabouts. Um, um, you must have been in the books all day, every day, but your philosophy was less is more quality, quality study, studying smart rather than studying hard, if that makes sense, or long hours. You know, I remember you saying something about, you know, 15 minutes of study can be really useful on the bus on the way home or on the bus on the way to tennis and, and you used every little minute of the day, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to make it sound like I, was, I wasn't studying, but yeah, <laughs> I definitely was um, trying to make the most of my time is what I was like trying to say. So, um, you know, training, you know, 20, 25 hours a week and then having other extracurriculars as well. It's definitely tough on the schedule. So yeah, basically um, the way I tried to get around that was, yeah, number one, you know, using the small time. So um, I was studying on the commutes to school and commutes to training um, it would be, you know, maybe studying at recess and lunch as well, um, which was quite sad. But no, it was, I think, um, like, th that was a big chunk of time as well. Maybe an hour a day was, like, uh, extra hour study there. Um, as well, like, at tournaments and stuff, um, instead of, like, you know, hanging out just at the courts all day, I would try to, like, stay in my hotel room and um, just do some study there. Um, stuff like that, really, you know, squeezing, you know, making the most out of your days. I think um, that's a big part of it. Um so, yeah, and also I do feel like having the philosophy that, you know, it's about balance definitely actually helps. Like the people that I know that did the best in HSC um, and in SATs were actually the people who probably studied, you know, probably less, but, you know, they more quality as well. So um, whereas people who like just spent all their days just cramming the books probably might not have done as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think also the physical activity is good for your mental 
station. Sure, yeah, definitely. Clear a mind and all those sort of things to have an outlet to go play tennis or whatever the sport may be. I think that's a really important message that you've just sent because, um, yeah, and we, we hear of kids postponing or putting their sport on hold during HSC and, you know, we think it's a big mistake, but, uh, and we understand why people would do that because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an important thing, but, um, you know, um, you know, I think taking advice from someone like yourself is, is, is not a bad idea. So, <laughs> um, so um, let's focus on that SAT score, that perfect SAT score, not one wrong answer. How on earth? Um, again, Michael, it's obvious you're smarter, I guess, than the average student probably to begin with, but, in sitting down and listening to your recent um, webinar masterclasses that you provided to our study and play USA student athletes as they prepare for their SAT exams, um, your position is that there is more to it than simply being good at maths and English, right? It, it's, yeah. There is a strategy involved. So if you just talk us about your philosophy of approaching the SAT and, and you know, how you're able to get that perfect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially for Australian students, I think the SAT exam is, like almost like this like behemoth where we don't really that we don't really practice this style of question we don't have much exposure to it whereas you know you see in america and other kind of um you know those college dominant countries where people do so many prep classes and stuff like that so they have like this inherent advantage where they're used to these exams questions but i do think the sat questions are unique in the sense that um the way they're phrased and the way the stuff that they're designed to test is something that we're not really used to here um, so the way I see it, like the SAT exam is almost kind of designed to, you know, be tricky. It's designed to, um, you know, throw in certain answers that might be right, might be wrong. Right. And they're designed to trick you in that sense. So my kind of the main philosophy, I guess, if you want to sum it up would be like, know that, you know, there's only one correct answer for, um, each question, um, and know that it's not as hard as it might seem at surface level and just have that confidence to kind of go through each question and see why, you know, every answer except the right answer will have something wrong about it. And then it's just about you going through calmly and uh, methodologically through each of those questions, uh, answer choices, sorry, and then finding out which one, you know, which one's wrong and what, for what reason, and then, then slowly identifying which one's the correct answer, I guess. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's, there's two types of tutoring, I think that you can do for that. Like some people may just need some work on their basic maths and their basic yeah, English. Sure. It is. So for those listening, it is a maths and English test, ultimately multiple choice. So as Michael said, there's always going to be in any multiple choice test, there's always one right answer, but there's always going to become some, some ambiguous answers in there to just to throw that in there and confuse you. So, um, but yeah, there's the, there's the, you know, working on the maths and English side of it, but then there's other tutoring for actually preparing to take the SAT yeah. so strategy, as you said, or how to approach. Yeah. Uh, test and I know you're you're starting to do a bit of tutoring aren't you a little bit on your own yeah yeah so um, you know a lot of people obviously the SAT is not something that a lot of people offer tutoring here and it's becoming bigger and bigger obviously going to um, America so um, and the SAT is like very I mean it's very important obviously um, for the college admissions there so yeah I am, I am starting to you know uh, offer private SAT tutoring stuff like that that's good to hear um, and again, as I said, if I had a, a son or daughter going through this process or if I was going through it again, and I wish I was, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be coming to, uh, I'd be knocking on your door. That's for sure. So, but, um, 
Look, in the grand scheme, you just sort of touched on it, but in the grand scheme of preparing for college, now that you've been through the application process uh, with some of the best unis in the world, which are quite stringent in their application process, um, I guess you've mentioned how important the SAT is exam, but, but how important is it? And when we relate it to, I guess, high school results, and obviously you're in Sydney with HSC, but for all kids around Australia and in other countries focusing on their last year in school or last couple of years, you know, yeah. so grade point averages and things like that. Yeah, How yeah. does SAT compare in importance to those? Do you think? Yeah, sure. I mean, so ultimately when you're like a uh, student athlete and you're co- contacting coaches, I think there's probably two main metrics they look at. Um, so there's the SAT and there's the GPA, obviously. Um, and then I'd say they're probably equal in weighting. I'd almost say the SAT could be um, more important simply because, and I mentioned this in um, a webinar uh, recently, but simply because, you know, GPA is very, you know, school by school dependent. Like you might have a 4.0 at one school, but it might mean nothing. Whereas, you know, a 3.8 school and another 3.8 GPA at another school might be very impressive. So for coaches looking at GPA, it's not a universal metric that they can, you know, easily see which student is more um I guess, able, academically able than another. Whereas the SAT, you know, it's a standardized exam. It's an exam where no matter who's taking it, you know, um, the, the score means something, you know, a coach can compare between country to country even um, to see who's like, I guess, more academically able for college college preparation. So um, yeah, I'd say the SAT is definitely uh, hugely important in that regard. Yeah. So the, I guess one of the confronting things for some families is that, you know, it's a three hour test uh roughly right three hours um versus your four years of high school that count towards the u.s pathway 9 10 11 12 they're virtually worth the same yeah exactly yeah that's insane right yeah so um we we get a little bit focused on our system here naturally because that's what we're in and that's what we know yeah but once once families make that decision that they're going to go to college in america then um a lot a lot of the preparation should be on the SAT, correct? Yeah, focus should definitely shift. I mean, for when I was applying like early to schools, they didn't even look at my, I mean, my ATAR hadn't even come out yet and they were making decisions. So like that just goes to show how like, I mean, not irrelevant the HSC is, but it's how it's like not as, I guess, important, um, as not as an important metric, I guess. Yeah, as, as I say, you can, to families, um, you know, you can park the stress a little bit that other students have yeah. regarding their grade 12 scores um more so than if you go to college because um you know the SAT is is your other is your other important exam and the other great thing that I'll just throw out there for listeners if you're not really aware of the SAT you think man that's stressful I've got to do well on that test well you can take that test as many times as you need or as many times you like so um that, that's a that's a heck of a good test in that way and, and very fair you got every chance of getting the best score you need to get into college so um no, thanks for sharing that mate um and um, look, we, we touched on it before about McDonald College and, and Voyager, and but that's one of the things I think you've, um, I guess a smart person does is surround themselves and successful people do this as well, obviously, is surround yourself with key people yeah. who help you manage your goals and responsibilities as well as your commitments yeah. um, along the pathway. Um, I guess just, you know, I think McDonald College... Um, you know, it's worth talking a little bit more about them and just specifically how they operate. But, you know, can you just give us a, an, an idea of the role they played in supporting you, Michael? Yeah, so 
Um, just a little bit backstory. So obviously I was at North Sydney Boys um, before from year seven to 10. And then that's a um, academically selective school, obviously. Um, and then it was kind of a bit difficult for me to balance my tennis and academics there simply because they are very academically stringent. So I ended up moving schools halfway through year 10 to the Mazon College, which is it's a performing arts school, but um, they have like an integrated tennis uh, program where, you know, obviously we're going to Olympic Park, like I said before, um, you know, our five days of the week after school and training there with um, Voyager Tennis Academy, which is, you know, one of the best tennis academies, probably the best tennis academy in Sydney. Um, and then, so that was, you know, huge for me. I mean, it was definitely a new environment um, coming to McDonald College um, being, you know, because it was very um tennis suddenly became you know a much bigger part of my life compared to whereas at north sydney um mm -hmm. but you know they were so it was so good i mean i can't um i can't overstate you know how important you know mcdonald college was in my overall development and then my ultimate you know acceptance to all these schools um because i think tennis is a, almost a sport that's unique in the sense that it requires so much kind of um, time commitment. I mean, I had friends from other schools um, who were playing, trying to play tennis, you know, maybe more, you know, academic, you know, private schools, stuff like that. They're trying to play tennis at the high level in year 12. And it just meant for them, you know, missing so much school, missing all these exams, and they ultimately just couldn't balance both. Whereas I think McDonald College really provides that kind of um, integrated support system where they know that you're trying to aim for that stuff. So, you know, if you miss an exam or if you miss a class, you know, teachers will be emailing you after class to kind of um, uh, sending you the work for you to do by yourself and stuff like that. Um, and it's just about that, you know, support system that they give you um, that really makes you feel like, you know, you can do both. And I think that was so key for me um, ultimately when I, you know, was applying to college and stuff like that. Yeah, look, I, that's good points. As I said before, I think this is the way education may move to in Australia eventually. I don't know. I hope so. Because when you get to America, Michael, you don't obviously know this yet, but um, you'll find that it's a bit like that as well. I mean, you're obviously at a very, very um, big institution over there that, that requires a lot academically, but the American system is all about providing that balance where your coaches and your professors talk to each other they're all in on it. They're all working together to help you get the best outcome for your sport and your, and your studies. And that's what I love about it. Um, whereas it's, it's just the way it is in Australia. It's not a criticism. It's just the way it is. Um, you know, where schools are for academics. Yes, there's sport offered, but um, they're not often working together uh, like McDonald uh, has been able to do with, with um, as you say, with Voyager Tennis Academy. So look, I hope there are others that, that come out and, and um, in other states and places that, that offer these opportunities. Because I think that's with more and more student athletes going to college that we see every year, the better. But just a quickly last thing on McDonald, we, we've just found them to be very, you know, they're always get on the phone and get on email to us if they've got any questions so that they make sure that they're giving the right advice to student athletes about, um, you know, subject selections and things like that in the timing of when to do SAT exams. So they're making sure they're doing the right thing and make sure they're sharing the right uh, accurate information with your, um, with, with their student athletes. So um, very, very good. And, and Voyager, any, any, you know, you know, we're, we work very closely with Voyager as well um, because they're like-minded and they're, they're, they're very, very um, supportive of the U S college pathway, as you know, Anything you'd like to say about, you know, Voyager, I suppose, and specifically about, you know, how they've been able to develop you as a person and a player? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, so um, Luke, Luke Bajor was my main coach of Voyager and he I was definitely a huge like role model, I guess, for me in terms of, you know, um, you know, he was he was an amazing coach, but he also really taught me, I guess, you know, I definitely as a, a person as well. He helped me develop as a person. I feel like over the last two years, I didn't just get, get a lot better at tennis. I think I became, you know, more confident. I think I became, you know, more mentally tough. And I think that um, being, at, you know, uh, being Luke's one of Luke's students and also just being, you know, at, at Voyager, I think that really, you know, catalyzed the, that growth. And I think that, you know, Voyager was, you know, I mean, they have they have a very good philosophy. I feel like they have a very good culture in the sense that, you know, they they, they don't teach you, you know, it's just about, you know, winning or stuff like that. They, they really teach you, you know, it's about like working hard, putting in the effort and then seeing the results from that. And I think, you know, that showed just not in my tennis, but also in my, you know, overall personal growth. So, yeah. Yeah. And you might not, not know this, Michael, and you don't, you wouldn't know this, but, you know, Luke and I, <clears throat> uh, we talk a lot, you know, about, about you and, and other students and, you know, we'll check in. Luke will often call us and say, look, how's, how's Michael doing with everything? And, you know, you know, is he a bit stressed because I'll, I'll make sure I go a little bit easier at training. So things like that over the years just show me that, okay, that there's, there's way more to, coaching than what happens on the court isn't it so yeah. um yeah caring about your your, your students and your, your players is probably the number one um focus i think in voyager voyager definitely do that that very well so you, you've been very um uh been lucky to have that support and i also just want to just you know mention how fantastic your parents have been michael um you know this is your chance to maybe just do a little public thank you to them if you if you uh if you would like and i know you're sitting in your family home right now but <laughs> they might even be able to hear you but you know how have they how have they been a support for you yeah um my parents are huge i mean i guess you know i probably don't thank them enough you know but i think you know i mean firstly you know even my mom she was the main person who actually wanted me to move from north sydney boys to mcdonald college like i mean because i mean it was a big move for us in terms because my family, you know, academics has always been number one. Um, you know, tennis has always just been this sort of side project where, you know, I play for fun. But, you know, ultimately in year 10, when Luke, you know, told me that, you know, um, he, I had the opportunity to come to McDonald College, my mom was the first one who said, you know, do it because she, I don't know, she's just, she thought that, you know, life was more about just like getting good grades. And she thought that it would just be such an invaluable experience to me. And then, you know, she was right obviously and then I guess my dad as well so when, once I moved to McDonald College my dad was like the main guy who was there for me you know driving me to tournaments you know 6 a.m training sessions he was he was up at 4 a.m you know cooking cooking breakfast and stuff like that um and you know they were just unbelievable um I'm I'm honestly really lucky because I know a lot of my peers who might not have had such you know supportive parents and um I guess it, like you know I'd say like 80% of my success is like a direct result from them. You know, I, I can't, can't thank them enough for sure. No, that's very, very well said, mate. So, um, you know, if I can get out, if my boy can grow up to say those things about, about us as parents, we'd be pretty happy with that, mate. So that's <laughs> that, but that's right. I do remember talking to your mum and dad when you were making that decision to switch to McDonald. And um, I was very pleasantly surprised because um you know, I think what your mum and dad saw was, okay, if you are going to go to college, you need it. You do need a customized approach here. Tennis is important, you know, for getting the, the foot in the door to these colleges um, and, and academics clearly is still going to be important, but um, 
that that was I was impressed by that. So look, it's clearly been the right move for you, and um, you know, um, all all power to you. So look, um, I want to just jump back and talk about Harvard again because I think I just like talking about Harvard with you, Michael. <laughs> uh, but look, not long to go now, so you're going to be jumping on that plane to officially start as as a Harvard student. When you arrive on campus as a freshman, what are you what are you studying, mate? Yeah, so. They're pretty flexible, actually. So you can pretty much study, you know, whatever you'd like. But I think right now in mind, in my mind, I want to study something to do with like economics, uh, maybe applied mathematics or like statistics or computer science, something like that. But I think definitely something along those lines, like economics, maths, something like that. Yeah. That all make whatever it is, it all makes my brain hurt just hearing that. Actually. <laughs> it, all, it all sounds way too hard. But um, and, and what are the aims to, you know, what do you where do you want that to take yeah, you sure. lead to? So, I mean, I think immediately after college, I might want to work. I definitely want to stay in America, maybe work in New York, um, either in, you know, um, some, maybe some finance sort of related roles, at least for maybe like five, 10 years. And then after that, I guess my end goal is to work in the public sector and really like use in terms of like work with organizations that use like kind of economics to like make change. So um, one organization that I really um, admire and hope to work for is like the World Bank. Um, I, I just love working there. And maybe if I end up coming back to Australia, working in something like the RBA or the treasury, something like that. So, yeah. Fantastic, mate. No, that's great. And just shows you how driven you are that you are thinking that far ahead. That's pretty, pretty rare. So that's fantastic, mate. Um, and what other aspects of university life, you know, are you most looking forward to? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm so excited for everything. I mean, I think the Amer like part of the reason why I wanted to go to America is because they have, you know, that campus life and also they have a big holistic focus on like extracurriculars and stuff like that. So I've been looking at some of the organizations. I mean, Harvard has over 400 clubs and extracurriculars. So um, they have like, and they're all of like so, such good funding and stuff like that. So um, there's definitely like, I want to join like Harvard debating, uh, college debating union. Um, they go for like tournaments every week, like over like other colleges and then, there's also, um, you know, Harvard Economics Review. They have a lot of different clubs. Um, really cool. So, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things. No. Mate, well, we're excited for you. I think yeah. um, whatever, whatever clubs and, and things you get involved with, and including your tennis and, and um, your studies, I'm sure you'll, you'll do well. And, um, look, we look forward to, to following it, mate. But it's, it's already been such a, you know, special journey to witness your watching your growth, I guess, um, over the last few years. You've already achieved so much. Um, and we just can't wait to watch the next few years unfold. Um, hopefully next time you can join us on another podcast, maybe from the, from your, um, your Harvard, you know, dorm room. Right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Thanks. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me. Uh, yeah. really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Pleasure, mate. No, great chatting and good luck. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.